Today's scripture reading will be coming from Jude, verses 12 through 21. Again, if you want to read in your Bibles, it'll be coming from Jude, verses 12 through 21. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted. Twice dead, they are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness. And all of them, defiant words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their their own godly desires. These are their people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Good morning. It's good to see you all today. I've got the luckier angle. I get to look at y'all. Y'all are stuck looking at me, so sorry about that. Before we get into Jude, let's have our prayer together, please. Father, we humbly come to you. To lay before you our hearts, our voices, our lives, so that you are honored. That all glory and honor is given to you in every way. Father, we, we know we need you. Though at times we try to get through this life on our own. So we ask that you help us to see you. Help us to see the truth of what's around us. About what's going on within us. And help us, Father, to trust you. To encourage each other. And to look forward to that day that we'll be together before your throne. We're grateful for the hope that you've given us. And the joy that we have because of your Son. First, through Jesus we pray. Amen. How many of y'all felt the earthquake? How many of y'all felt the earthquake the other day? Very many of y'all? I was driving. I think I just thought in my mind it was a gust of wind. Isn't that more common? Just wind blowing the vehicle? and So I didn't think about it. Beth got to feel it. I didn't. So I lucked out. But the thing about earthquakes, we may have them. 
pretty regular out here. Most time we don't feel them unless you're very sensitive to them, but then this one was big enough that even those who are, of us who aren't very sensitive might have been able to feel it or notice things shaking as they went along. But when you, when you put all that together, when you see, when, her, when earthquakes, hurricanes, that shows I spent a lot of time along the Gulf Coast. Uh, when earthquakes hit, when they, when they happen to us, they, they'll give us a sense of wondering. Now, I'm, I, I, I've got family out in California, and, you know, I wonder where they have earthquakes that are bigger that happen more often, how used we get to, how much we get used to them. We start to just know that they're regular things. But when you're brand new to it, it kind of throws you off. You're not sure what to do with it. You're not sure how to react. The, the, great, the nice thing is we didn't have damage like could have been if it had been something bigger. But when you have ground that's not solid, when you have ground that feels shaky, we try to find something to help us give, to help us have a sense of stability and feeling sure in our lives. The thing about Jude, what I think Jude will cover for us, is a reminder there are times in this world that our faith will be shaken. That we can struggle with doubts. That we can struggle with not sure how things are, why things are the way they are and, and how we got to where we are and how to get all that put together. When our, when our faith is shaken, we, we really start reaching for anything that might help us along in, in this world. Something that will make us feel more solid and secure. Something that will make us feel like our faith is making a difference so that we know that we're doing what needs to be done so we can make it through today, so we can get through whatever comes along. That when we are struggling with our doubts and struggles, we, we look for something to help. And I think in Jude, we get a reminder that sometimes as we're searching for those things that, that, try to, that we think will help us, we start to reach for things that aren't what they seem. Now, y'all are pretty smart. And the thing about Jude is he gives us a warning about some fellows, that, some folks that we might look at them and go... Yeah, I would catch them before they could even get past. I mean, there's no way I would ever be taken in by folks like these. So when he describes them, for certain individuals uh, whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. And when you look at that, say, there are some folks that have really gotten things out of line. There's no way we would miss that they're with us. If they came in, we'd know who they were. Verses 8 through 11, in the same way on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn them for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. And so when he frames all of these folks like this, it would seem that if anybody was like that, sitting among us, living among us, and and being around us, that we would be able to point them out and figure it out, wouldn't we? We would know folks like that. But the reason he writes this letter is because as smart as we might be, we can still be tricked by folks just like this. Why write a warning if it's not something that we have to be careful of? 
And so when he lays that out, you, you start to realize that these folks don't present themselves like Jude describes them. Because nobody walks up and says, you know, I'm really not worried about you or God or anything else. I just want to do what I want to do. And so let's go. You know, they don't, nobody ever does anything like that. But what they will do is they'll walk in and they'll, they'll be here and they'll start to talk about ways that we can have a stronger faith. They'll talk about ways that we know that we can get through what God wants us to get through. When our faith is shaking, when we're struggling, they'll, they'll give promises. And so they'll, they'll, they'll lay out things that are promises like... Um, uh, or solutions to. Are you having trouble with your children? Here, let me tell you what. I've got just a solution for you. You're having trouble in your marriage. Let me tell you, I've got the perfect solution to take care of it. If you're struggling with doubt in your faith, I know the solution for that, and I can get you to the right spot where you don't have to struggle anymore. You can have no more doubts. Or they, or they might come along with the idea that they have some special knowledge, something that nobody else knows that, that is special and get you closer to God. And so they, they want to share that with you and they want to bring that in. And that's appealing to have that special place before God. Sometimes even they, they'll bring things that sound just like home. And so they'll start talking about how things need to be like they used to be. You know when we talk about the way things used to be, how far back does that go? Some, may, some of us may talk about the 50s. You remember back when? The 60s? The 70s? Some of y'all are thinking covered wagons. But all of us, when we look back, we think about a time where we, we start to idealize it and think that's when things were good. But you know, no matter how far our memories go, how, how much time is that compared to when Christ was here? When, were the 50s, 60s, and 70s really the good old days? Is that where we need to look? Or can we think about it? I can give you people who promise what feels like home because it feels like what used to be. Only go back just a little bit. When the reality is, where do we need to look? But it sounds so good. It sounds like, do you remember, you remember back in the good old days when we had to walk uphill both ways to school in the snow? And so when we think about that picture, about those times, what we forget is that sounds like home and it's appealing to us. And we will grab a hold of that and, and think that's our solution. That's what we need in this life. That's, that's what will help my faith to get me where I need to be. And the thing is, is all of those promises, no matter what they are, says these folks give promises that sound like the perfect thing that we need. That'll help me get my life back on track. That'll help me get my faith back where it needs to be. And so it's so very tempting for us to grab a hold of it and say, this is what I need. Somebody down here has been, has been given the right thing, and we need to do what they, they're doing there. We need to, to follow along with what's going on. All these things are promises that we are tempted to follow. That's why he gives us, why he tells us about these folks. Not because we can pick them out like they just glow in the dark and we say, there's somebody like that. We, nobody ever wears a label like they ought to. It's the realization that they sound like what would work and what we need and what would be so helpful to us. And we need to be aware of what's really going on underneath the surface. And so we listen to all those voices. 
But the solid ground we need is where? The solid ground is always, always going to be what God says. Because there's where we go back and we hear what God has to say about it, no matter what it was. And so I, I'm able to look back in my life and remember all, the, all those who had an impact on my faith and how they taught and say, you know, there is nobody that could teach like famous buyers. Real person, that's his name. And I wish, oh, wouldn't it be great to have famous around? But the reality is famous is not the standard. God always is and always will be the standard. And so when he, when he talks about it in verse 3, that is verse 3, isn't it? Uh, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. There he gives us a place, uh, an anchor point, a, a, a bookmark that we need to go back and say, that's what it's all about. What has God told us? What's the, what's the message he's always given that we can go back to? And that's what we need to, to hear. And that's what we need to understand. And that's what we need to grab a hold of is to listen to what God's voice is. And, and what God says is a reminder also, not just everything wonderful and good, but a reminder how things can get off track. Because it's God that says, I want you to know that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who do not keep their positions of authority but abandon their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. He says he gives an example. What God has said is not just here's what we need to stand for, but realize the truth of the whole picture. And these, these folks he's warning about, he says, are taking the same path. The same path of, of Korah and Balaam and, um, and Cain and all that goes on. He's, he's reminding us that the path that they're taking, the path that we'll follow along if we hitch our wagon to them, is the same direction that we're, they're taking us away from God as opposed to drawing us closer to him. Even though it feels like it's what God wants. Isn't that the scary part? It can feel so good and right to us. When we don't keep our focus on what God has in mind for us. And so he gives this warning. Because it's God, it's God that provides salvation. And it's God that makes us holy. And it's God that gives us what we need. And so when we're struggling because we don't feel like we're enough, it's, we, we need to put our focus not on our efforts, but on what God has said and what he's promised. And know that he's faithful to his promises. He has said he'll make us holy. He has made us holy. He has said that he forgives us. He has said that he has wiped out all of that and he's made, we, he has made us his fully and completely in every way. And if we're going to have, have any kind of confidence when we're, when we're doubting, when we're struggling within our own hearts, where do we need to look? There isn't any one person in this world that's got the key to make it all okay. God provides just what we need. And we need to listen to what he says. And allow him to change what goes on within us. The thing about these folks, he says, is that all the promises they make, what do we find out at the end? If I give you a list of things that can guarantee to make your life worthwhile, 
eventually we find out they don't, there's not a one-size-fits-all. I'm a morning person. I woke up at 4.30 this morning. I didn't want to, but I did. Anybody else up at 4.30 this morning? One, two, three. And how many of y'all are going, who in the world would get up at such an ungodly hour? Normally it's involuntarily, but you think about that. Now, if I gave you a prescription for your soul based upon being a morning person, that you need to get up. You need to get up at 4.30 every morning and do your devotional and pray and read and, and, and focus on what God has in mind. Give God the first hour of your day, first thing in the morning. And how many of y'all would get up because out of duty you want to grow in your faith, you want to grow stronger, and you, you open up your Bible and you're sitting there at your kitchen table and an hour later you wake up going, what happened? Because not all of us are morning people. And if I gave you a morning person solution to your faith, it's not going to work. It'd be a promise that sounds so good, but doesn't fit everybody. Now, their promises they give are even less so. Where he says there in verse 12, These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. There are clouds without rain blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. There are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Now, if you look at this, on and on you see promises. Shepherds who take care of the flock. We, we, trees, autumn trees that should be loaded down with fruit. Wandering stars where a ship at sea can set their bearing and know where they need to go. But the, the reality behind all of those promises is what? The shepherds only taking care of themselves. The trees twice dead. The waves that come up just foam. Nothing. The wandering stars. Wandering is the key there because you can't base anything off of them. And in every one of them, they find, you find out that the promises that these folks make are empty and don't do anything about what we might say. The, the reality is that what they have underneath is they're just ungodly, but it's disguised so very well. When he says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Did y'all catch the theme through there? Contrary to God, ungodly. And these people are grumblers, fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. So who is at the center of their lives? Who is it that they care about most of all, these folks? Themselves. And so they make big promises to everybody else, but what they're aiming for is what they want. And so they want things to be like they want them to be, so they'll promise everybody big things so they can get what they want. What they want in their life, what they want in, as a church, why everything is all about them as opposed to what God has in mind. And so their promises sound good to everybody, but the reality is they're the only ones benefiting from it. And so even the grumblers and fault finders are pointing out everybody that's saying something against, contrary to what they have in mind because they're the ones that matter most. And they'll flatter other folks. They'll, they'll tell you how wonderful you are and how great it is and all that goes on because what they want from you, they want to get that. So they flatter and then they boast about what they have in mind. They boast about themselves and how good they have it and how they put it all together and they have the perfect solution as it all comes together. 
They want to make sure you know they've got the solution. They've got the answer to all that comes along. And the reality is in all of this is there's harm that comes from it. Says, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. There's that, their own desires again. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Now, there, there's a key right there, something we need to pay attention to. Because when, the thing is, is when we look at the people around us, you know there's something we cannot see about each other. I can look at you, and there's something I can't see about you, no matter how hard I look. I can't see your heart. I can't hear your thoughts. I don't know what you've got going on on the inside. And so what we have to look for is clues. And he says, here's one of the clues that, that tell us about these folks. Because if you have somebody who's part of, a body, uh, part of the body and they're causing division, that tells you about what's going on within their hearts. I mean, they're the ones that are stirring up trouble and causing all kinds of things. And so we see that as they go along, not because they, they sound the part, not because they look the part, but because the fruit that comes about because of their lives and what they've got going on, because they're the focus. They don't care about what harm they may do to everybody else, because as long as they're getting what they want, that's all that matters. They make promises that are so empty. But we need solid ground. Is a solid ground is waiting for God's mercy in Jesus. Now, when he frames this, now back in, in down, well, let me read the verse and I'll highlight it. It says, You, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And the structure in that is actually the main focus is this as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the way he says we wait is building yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keeping yourselves in God's love. But the focus is the mercy of Christ. Because it's in the mercy of Christ we find what really gets us there. Because if we have to be perfect, if we have to do everything just right, and that's a lot of our doubts, isn't it? A lot of our struggles is we, we, we look at our lives and we go, I am really not getting this very good. I, I, I've stumbled, I've struggled, I'm really having a hard time getting from point A to point B. And what we need to keep in mind is, what our hope is, isn't that we get everything perfectly well and, and all of our ducks in a row. It's that we rely on the mercy of Christ. Because we're growing. And the thing about it is, is we know this. We know this principle. How many of y'all expect a four-year-old to act like they're 16? Well, besides their parents. Well, the parents are hoping. Why don't you grow up? But the reality is, every four-year-old will always act four. Because they haven't learned yet. They're still growing. They're still learning. And they're still... And we know that. We know when we look at children that we can't expect a child to act like an adult. Because they aren't. But when we, when we grow up, we expect we should have everything just right. We should never have any struggles. We grew up, we should never have any problems. We grew up and we should always have things under control. And every one of those is false. Being grown does not mean you've figured out life and you've got it all together. Because being grown, we're still growing and learning and figuring it out. And that's why we need the mercy of Christ. To know 
Our hope isn't because we get it all figured out. Our hope is that God has promised that in Christ, He takes care of us. So we keep ourselves. We keep ourselves. Build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We trust God more and more. We put our focus on God in in all of this more and more. That we pray in the Spirit, that our prayer, we call out to God in everything that we need. That we keep ourselves in God's love and a reminder of that we are loved wherever we are. It's sometimes, uh, this side note, y'all, sometimes we dismiss God's love too easily without realizing how much that means that God loves us. And to know you are loved. Just keep yourself there. Because we're looking for a father. We're looking forward to being with a God who wants us home. He's anticipating the time that we'll all be together as one big family. And there's no, not one of us that he's saying, I don't know about this one. He, he wants us. And so we need to keep our focus on, on that, the truth about what God has said, the truth about who God is, and hold on to him in every way. And here's where some of the struggle comes. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, who do not have the Spirit. Now, there's something in this, that when there's division, when there's problems stirred up within a body, it means that we begin to feel isolated. Y'all know that we can be sitting in here all together. And I guarantee there's somebody who's here sitting with us who feels like they're here all alone and isolated. And you might be thinking, well, there's people all around. But they don't feel like they're part. And that can happen to all of us. When we're struggling with our doubts, when we're struggling in our faith, we can feel like we don't belong because everybody else looks like they've got their lives together and I don't. And it's in that moment we feel so alone, like there's nobody else in the same predicament we are. In our struggles and doubts, we feel shame for it. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. When he talks about the doubt and and those who uh, uh, are so close that need to be brought back. When he talks about that, the reality is he's reminding us as we look around that wherever we are. See, when we feel alone, we start looking for something to fix that. To make us better. But the reality is that he's rem- he, he wants us to know that even when we feel doubts, we're not alone in that. Because if, if, we, if, if we were going to be honest with ourselves this morning, I'm not going to make you all stand up and raise your hand. But when you think about it, if all of us that have struggled in our faith and have had doubts in the past, if we all said, that's me. Do you know how many of us would, talk, would acknowledge that we've had struggles in our faith? Who have had doubts? Who've wrestled with what's going on in our lives? 
And anybody who's in that situation, he says, you're not alone because you're surrounded by folks who have either been through it or are in the middle of it right now. And we're in this together. And so our solid ground is that we're not alone. But to know that many of us, many of us have struggles. And what we all need is mercy. So what he says is be merciful to those who doubt. Not because we've got our lives all together and we can go, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Let me help you. It's the, I know where you are. I've been there too. And let's get through this together. That we need to walk together through all that goes on. That there are others that we need to be able to, to, to help back because we know that that could be us. Not because we're, we're better than they, but because that could be us as well. And so we want to show them the mercy that they need. And even those who may be farther along, we, we keep an honest view of what's going on, but we realize they need mercy as well. Because all of us, we, we walk through this world together. We walk by faith in this world together. And it's not something we do all by ourselves. That we need each other. Verse 24 and 25 says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. If, if you ever, or if you're struggling and you have doubt, here's the verse to really grab a hold of. Because your hope is based on who? Or this should be whom? To him who is able. That God is able, wherever you are, Whatever's going on, that he is the one that we're depending on. He keeps his promises. To the only God and our, sa- our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. It's God that is able to do what needs to be done. It's God that gives us hope. It's God that we grab a hold of, that no matter what's going on, how unstable the ground below us may feel, we know he is the one that's sure. He's the one that can get us through. He's the one that no matter what I may be struggling with here, he's the one we can hold on to. He's the one I need. Maybe what we need to remember as we go through life is, is, the, is the phrase that probably most of us have used at one point. I, I love how the grandkids use this already. My mama said we could have candy for supper. Because you know what? Once you say my mama said, there's no more argument, is there? Who am I to veto what mama said? So, okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. You get two siblings fight? Well, mama said. It cuts off all argument because mama's the one. That's the trump card. It means nothing else can be said about it. And for us, now we look at that and we we giggle about it because we know in life that's what happens. But the the thing is, for all of us, is that for us, for our hope, for our strength, everything that we need, is there's no magic fix that will come along where we find the right thing to do, the right kind of list, the right kind of this or that, the right kind of person. It always will ever always come back to God and His faithfulness. That God said, God said, and I know what God has promised he'll do because he is faithful. That God said he loves us. And I know that's true. He always will. Always has. That God gives us hope. That he gives us the joy that we need. That he's forgiven us. That he provides all that we need through Jesus Christ. 
And so in my life, no matter what I may feel in the moment, as long as I can remember, God said, and I'm going to hold on to him. God is faithful. Maybe this morning you need your brothers and sisters here to gather around you and help encourage you. Pray with you and for you. And it may be that you need to go ahead and trust that God has promised. God has promised that in Christ you, ha- you find forgiveness, you find life, you can put him on in baptism, be buried with him, to rise up to a brand new life. If you need anything this morning, would you come now as we stand and sing? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not can sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. A closing song, Do All in the Name of the Lord. Again, if you're our guest this morning, we're blessed by your presence. Give us an opportunity to say hello. Uh, We are encouraged to be here with you and to sing these songs and to praise God. Let's sing together. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do not in name of man or creed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do all in His name, do all in the name of the Lord. In word or deed as God decreed, do all in the name of the Lord. 
Be not deceived by worldly greed. Do all in the name of the Lord. The Spirit says in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord. Do all in His name. Do all in the name of the Lord. In word or deed as God decreed, Do all in the name of the Lord. If you are toiling for a crown, Do all in the name of the Lord. Oh, do not trust in world renown, Do all in the name of the Lord. Do all in His name, Do all in the name of the Lord. In word or deed as God decreed, Do all in the name of the Lord. Till toils and labors here are done, Do all in the name of the Lord. Dear Christian friends, if you be one, Do all in the name of the Lord. Do all in His name, Do all in the name of the Lord. In word or deed as God decreed, Do all in the name of the Lord.